sitting in here with Jason, who's doing some artistic recording of me doing this uh, solo podcast by myself. You know, seven years ago on this date, like, uh, it's kind of crazy. You know, we've recorded the, the, the you know, our, mine and Josh's experience with the Pulse and what happened on the, you know, our day started on the 11th and then, you know, obviously the Pulse happened, you know, at one fifty-two or so in the morning on the 12th. But, like, what happened uh, today for us was the fact that uh, I actually, you know, I, I we went home around 8 o'clock or so at night, uh, I mean, in the morning, and went home be- before I left the fire station. This guy by the name of Chief uh, Jeff Day actually was, um, he goes, hey, uh, can you come back in? We're going to need somebody tonight. And I was like, yeah, I'll come in, Chief. No, no, no worries. So I went home, and um, I remember falling asleep and uh, waking up because I felt like I was suffocating to death. And there's this, this giant English bulldog named Bandit I had at the time. He's uh, just sleeping right on top of my face because he thought that was going to be the most comfortable spot. So uh, I wake up and a bunch of missed phone calls. And as you can imagine, had this missed call from Josh. And, you know, I call him and then he's kind of going crazy about that. All the different calls that he had that day. And it's, man, one of the craziest things. And people, again, have heard this part of the story before where, you know, they had called Josh and asked him, how many patients did you transport? And we told him 13. He goes, how many reports did you write? <laughs> we said none. Like, how do you write reports on that? You know, and, I, and I'm sure Jason's over here shaking his head because it's like, who the fuck even thinks about that at that time? You know, oftentimes we are in like teaching classes and we talk about assessment. And, uh, and I, trust me, I'll get back to the whole day experience shit here in a second. But we talk about assessment and we talk about like the different things that change your priority of assessment. And one of those things are, is like, you know, massive hemorrhage, right? You're going to start with C versus ABC, right? So that's that X factor. The other thing is anytime you have more people than resources, then that means that you're going to have to sort the patients out to get do the greatest good for the greatest number of people. And those are fucking every test I've ever taken been the test answer for that. Greatest good for the greatest number of people. And like you're, you're going to start off with, you know, who we can allocate resources to now the traditional triage form is that the incident is done you arrived post-incident and now you're actually taking people and uh sorting them you know rpm start triage but what about if there's patients still being made for example there's a person there still shooting people Still making patients. How do you sort those patients? How do you do the greatest good for the greatest number? And the reality is that I think after all these time, the T triple C's and the March mnemonics, that is do the best you can, do the best you can, and get people out of there. Traditional plans and traditional like medicine and stuff doesn't know that hasn't met that. You know, it's just you know it's kind of. Not every battle is going to be the same. Not every situation you go to is going to be the same. So there's really no playbook for this. It's not the bus crash. It's not the, you know, you sorting the people out. 
you know, in the last in in that day, you know, there was we were never gonna write reports. We ended up writing. I ended up writing a giant narrative. Same thing as Josh. And what's interesting about it is, is that everybody read that narrative. Josh's narrative was, you know, had a lot of differences from my narrative, but they were all still very similar. They all still had a similar, like, you know, uh, storyline and had similar stuff because. Even though they were different, but we were watching it from two different vantage points, right? Joshua was in a different spot than I was, and I was in a different spot than Joshua was. So our story was the same, but from our point of view, you know? Um, and, and it's just one of those things that didn't change that day. You know, we did what we did, and Jimmy Highland did what he did that day. And, and uh, we got people to the hospital, and everybody we touched that day did eventually leave the hospital. So that's kind of one of those you know, uh, bright side of the things. The dark side of the things is all the stuff that happened afterwards. Like, it's so crazy. You know, I, I don't think that the pulse caused a lot of Josh's problems that he has now, but I definitely know that the pulse woke up those problems. They woke up these demons that were inside of him and the bad decision-making and the stuff that he did that cost him eventually his job and caused him to be at home you know now we're on the upswing of things you know he's definitely better clean about to have a kid i'm gonna be a uh, godfather to uh you know a baby girl <laughs> this is gonna be fucking crazy and uh you know i'm a i'm a person that loves hard man you know so this little girl is uh nothing's ever gonna happen to her because uh you know i wish the motherfucker would so you know and like the times are so much different, you know, but I think, you know, even Jason is in here is like the world was deprived of a fucking great paramedic. The world of like education was deprived of the probably one of the fucking most brilliant minds you've ever seen. You know, like the most fucking unbelievable person they could come up with, you know, something he's heard once and reproduce it, you know, like how many stories can I tell about this guy? You know, it's like how many things it is. A, I wonder, you know, like sometimes he just sits at home and he just thinks he's like, you know, this is white life is wasted and all that shit. But it's not, man. He, he spent a lot of years teaching people and he made a lot, you know, in the short time frame that he had doing the job of, you know, 10 years. And he changed a lot of fucking people's lives man. he changed my life forever. Like my life is completely different. And the trajectory of my life changed because of meeting my, you know, his my best friend, man. My best friend. Uh, and it's just amazing to see, like, how, you know, what happened from that day on to now. Uh, neither one of us is an Orlando firefighter anymore, you know. I went, got to hit that 20-year mark, and I could not leave that place fast enough. To look back at that place, like, now, it's like, I'm like, I could never work there again. And it's fine, you know, things change, times change, things have to progress, things have to go different. But here's the thing, like, I don't feel that that place has changed at all. That time passed it and it, and it never grew with time. And it's one of those, you know, we've always done it this way type things and we've always done it this way. So we're not going to change. And it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? fire service you know what the fuck is wrong with it 
you know, uh, Jason, you live through this all the time, and, and I feel for you, man, because it's just like, but it's not just that, like EMS, fucking fucked up too. You know, the, uh, you know, the fucking hospital base helicopter fucked up too. You know, I'm not allegedly saying that that's the situation where I work at. But imagine being somebody that's got to live our dreams. Like, you got to live your fucking childhood dreams being, you know, in, in the county of Lakes, allegedly. You know, and, and I've gotten to live my childhood dream of wearing that hideous fucking red flight suit and full, taking off places and doing the job and teaching people and making other people realize their fucking dreams of working there. And, and, and like... But man, times have to change, and you have to change with them. And if and if you don't change, and if you don't study history, you're bound to repeat the same cycles that are just fucking vicious. Is it just our jobs, or is it other shit? No, I think it's fucking the world, man. The world is reliving, reliving these cycles. You know what I'm saying? Like these fanatics and these. Uh, Republican and Democrats and this country and that country is just a fucking perpetual cycle of not changing and not growing with the times and not studying history. You know, the the pulse happened 2018, camera 2019, 2020, man. What a fucking landmark year that is. We start a new, we, we start a new, you know, fucking, you know, um, um year that year in, in a few months into it we get this covid shit you know that happens and the world shuts down then you know a few months into the covid the uh uh the gentleman gets killed the uh, um lloyd right the, the the dude that you know couldn't breathe the police officer now every profession has dumb asses there's dumbass milkmen <laughs> you know uh, this is a movie I love called Big Fish, and they have a story about this guy. He says, uh, "He, you ever seen it, Jason? Yeah. yeah." And he says that he, you know, he's telling the story on his deathbed. This guy, and he goes, "You know, I, I, when I was a kid, I realized I had this fucking power that I could dream of somebody's death, and you know, I would tell them, and it would fucking happen. You know, so I had a dream that my my aunt died, died and <laughs> I told my aunt before the day was over that bitch died." You know what I mean? <laughs> then he has a dream that his father dies. And he tells his dad. And his dad <laughs> doesn't sleep that night. Wakes up the next day. He's like, fuck, you know, and goes to work. And the, the kid says that, the old man says that when his dad came back home, he looked like he was waiting an axe to drop on him all day long. He said, this has been the worst day of my life. I've been waiting to die all day and it hasn't happened. And his wife goes, how would, you know, <laughs> You feel like shit. The milkman came over, delivered milk, and dropped dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's that dude's life, man. And <laughs> it, it, it is that. I love that movie. You know, I love that movie because that guy during the whole movie says one of my favorite quotes that I say all the fucking time. That's not the way I go. The way I go is extremely interesting, and people are going to talk about it, so I don't want to spoil it for you because I want you to be surprised. But I ain't going this way. And he's like, I saw how I die in a lady's eye. And he goes, you know, maybe knowing how you're going to die takes away the limits of the things you wouldn't do. Something that would freak you out. You're going to do it because, you know, you don't die that that way that day. You know what I mean? 
and it and what's crazy is the theme of the movie at the very end is that you write the story of your life, right? You you can write the story of your life, and you can tell your story however you want. Sometimes the facts are what you need, and sometimes you need to give a little flair to the facts, you know? And I say that for a reason. It's like we've gone around the world and we've done this talk about that night and what happened that night and how me and my best friend got to be there that night. And we feel that we were the two best people that could be there that God put, you know, on that there going at that time. And, and, and like we felt that because we felt very prepared. We didn't feel we at no point did we feel overwhelmed with what we saw and what we did and did what we could do and didn't fucking had any hard feelings when we left that night. You know, we did the best we could and, you know, the rest was up to God. You know what I mean? And it was one of those things that like, man, we did and we've told the story and our story has no flair to it. It's just the facts. That's sensationalized or whatever somebody can make it. It was just the facts. You know, that was our story. That was what happened. And the way we tell it is exactly how it came. You know, from Tony to Angel to, you know, any of our survivors that that night, you know, it was the story was this, man. And this is this is what happened there. And but the story since then, man, is also just as important. Like, you know, between, you know, me and Josh, man, like we should be dead, you know, and we haven't died because, you know, the mental health problems that we both have suffered since then is just unbelievable. You know, and it's just still to this day, it amazes me that, 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 like, people can't see that. People can't see that. Like, people can't see that, like, hey, yeah, that happened to us that day, but, man, we are so much fucked up from other shit. From growing up in the, you know, foster system to to moms that don't love you, dads that molest your sisters and go, now my dad, his dad, you know, that type of shit. You know, that it's stuff that people don't even know about. it, And it's just amazing that he became the person that he became you know he will forever be remembered as the fucking guy that recorded somebody on a call and did all that stuff that's fucking bullshit that that's what you're going to define him as that's like what people fucking come up to me they've never even met him say like guys wearing the same uniform that we fucking wore there and i go you know you don't know anything about that fucking man fucking don't know anything about him the guy that you know, people walk around and are making a difference in this world because that guy went the fucking extra mile and did some shit. Not the day of the pulse. It's like thousands of calls before, you know. I am successful in what I do because of Josh. You know, he's always going to be the guy that has a, a chair here, you know. He's always going to be that guy because then it's like, it is amazing. What that guy is, and my point tonight, and some of the things I want to say is, is that I'm going to record some of the stuff that, if, uh, you know, I'm gone in years from now, something that'll exist out there in the cloud that Jason stores shit in, that that you know, this little girl that's about to be born should know about her dad, you know, should know about her dad, and it's and it's just like man. Your dad's an amazing person. So I meet your dad. So I'm talking to this girl now. I'm not talking to everybody who's going to listen to this, but I'm talking to her more than anything. So fuck you guys. Uh, you know, Jason's will play a disclaimer. 
at the beginning of this that I've probably given a million times. So, you know, I meet your dad because, you know, I was in a timeout. And in the cow, I got into this timeout. You ever heard that story, Jason? Uh, I was put in timeout and got sent to a different station. So, <laughs> funny story happens is that, I, you know, this guy's a really good, you know, chief now, friend of mine. And at the time, um, so this guy, I have a lot of few things, uh, gripes against him. So, my ex-wife, he kind of introduced me to her. They worked in the hospital together at the time. And, uh, you know, thank you for the ex-wife, asshole. But then eventually he becomes the fire chief. And then he's the fire chief, city of Orlando. And we do this conference and uh, we're the, that Saturday after the fire conference, we're out there pulling trucks and it's a, you know, big bar crawl. Everybody's getting drunk and shit. And this guy goes, Hey, you're going to go uh, sit for this uh, engineer's test. And I go, nah, I don't want to be an engineer. He goes, don't you have any ambition? And I go, no, I already, <laughs> I already met my ambition. Now, you know, I'm a firefighter, paramedic, city of Orlando fire department. It's all I ever wanted to be. I didn't want to be a lieutenant or I, I fucking hate driving fire trucks. So I never want to be that, which is fucking interesting because I just bought a fire truck. And, uh, you know, no, fuck it. I, I have the best job in the world. I don't want to fucking want to. Why would I ruin that? By being you. Those are my exact words to this person. I go, why would I ruin that and become you? Well, wouldn't you know it? The very next day, uh, they figure out I've never been assigned to an actual engine. So they decide that I'm going to get transferred to engine 10. And I'm going to be on this engine and uh, move me off my rescue, rescue 7. And uh, boy, was I pissed off. So, but it happened to be that I was uh, sent to the engine 10 with this lieutenant, uh, and she, uh, Tamara Hall's her name, and she was a long-time rescue paramedic. They eventually got tired of just being shit on, so she became a lieutenant. And, uh, you know, she's on engine 10, and she hates it as well. <laughs> so, uh, and there's this dude named Joe Mike Calderon, which drives the engine 10, and he's been driving that shit for years. Like, fucking years. He was a fireman on that engine, gets promoted to being the fucking engineer, and he's driving it. And he drove that motherfucker till like, a year ago. You know, mind you, Joe Mike was hired, like, four years before me, you know? So this motherfucker, you know, he's an EMT engineer. So I go to my lieutenant, who's a paramedic. I said, you know, Lou, you've been a, a, a paramedic on the rescue truck, and now I'm sitting here on this four-man engine. I got to dress out for all these automatic fire alarms we go on. I got to write all the medical reports and we get a sick as enough patient. I got to write in with the patient. I got to do all the work, top, you know, cook, do all my cleanup. And Joe Mike gets to just fucking drive around here and he doesn't do shit. So I think that Joe Mike should get dressed out during automatic fire alarms. And I get to sit in the truck like he does. And she goes, you know, I think that's only fair. So <laughs> see if make this motherfucker get dressed during automatic fire alarms. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, eventually I won over the whole crew, and uh, we used to torment the lieutenant that was on the tower truck. We would torment that dude all day long. So my goal was to basically make that lieutenant that everybody liked and listened to that he would want to send me back to Rescue 7, which my plan worked. You know what I mean? I drove that motherfucker crazy to the point I convinced him to be a swinger, and, like, he regretted it after that. <laughs> story for another time so you know 
I get sent back. And by the time I get sent back, your father is sitting there and he is a brand new firefighter EMT playing fucking video games all day long. I'm on the rescue, running my ass off. This motherfucker's taking naps during the day and then playing Guitar Hero and Halo and Call of Duty and all kinds of shenanigans. And I'm like, what kind of fucking shit's been running around this station since I was gone? You know, so it's time to put some law and order to some shit. And I start fucking with this dude. Well, this motherfucker informs me that he's going to be in my paramedic class. And I go, I would go to another school. Because, man, you're never going to pass this, dude. I'm going to fuck with you as much as I can. You're never graduating from this class. I'm telling you right now. And I commenced to, like, study like I've never studied before before teaching classes. And I would give these guys fucking impossible quizzes like and you know what ends up being is that you know josh gets credit for being the dude that survives that class but the reality is the class before josh's class i had 25 people and i graduated four those were on the days of you know pre-accreditation where like you just fuck people up but you didn't have to have retention and any of that shit that we have to deal with now right so you know and i'm almost about to be a school owner you know sorry coams people you've kind of like weakened and watered down the the paramedic pool because the people that used to make pass get through medic school passed their test and you know as a side note and you guys know me i can't ever tell a story straight through like here's the thing the fire chiefs argue tomorrow and wednesday we go to these fucking meetings you know and they argue about these pass rates and this and that and all that stuff and how bad we are and we rank. But the reality is, is the fact is that years ago, the people that made it through medic school, the easiest part of paramedic school for them was taking their boards. They would sit for their boards and they would fucking pass because you fucking earned that patch. You made it through school and you fucking earned it, man. It was hard. It was something accomplished. Not everybody got to be a paramedic, you know? And now it's just this watered-down retention, accreditation, fucking bullshit. And, and, and you know, accreditation is great. It tells, you know, you, you, you as a program meet a standard and you follow it. It's these other things that we do with accreditation to make sure that everybody's included. The world doesn't work like that. Little girl, before you're born, you got to understand this is a fucking dodgeball tournament out here all the fucking time. And you know what? Sometimes you're the fucking kid that gets hit with a ball. You're going to get fucked up. You're going to get fucked up and you're going to get fucking hit with a ball. And the world's going to see how strong you are and how you're going to fucking recover. Right? How you get the fuck back up. You come back into the next fucking, you know, heat and you fucking sling the ball and fuck somebody's head up. That is how you fucking become a character. That's how you become the fucking person that you need to fucking be. You know, so like that is the ability your dad had for a very long time. Your dad's ability to fucking recover, get up and fucking just keep going forward and showing the world that he was the strongest most amazing human you've ever seen and, and that's you know what your dad did when he came to class now mind you he his class was a really fucking good class now one dumbass got through that class and it was because of your dad he's a dude that we call lunchbox 
And there's no reason why this guy should ever made it through medical school. Like, he, like he doesn't know how he made it through medical school. Because, but your dad carried him. Like, your dad would sit there and study with him. And because of that guy, your dad, it was the only reason your dad ever opened the book. Because he didn't need to. He would listen to what I would say, and he would fucking smoke it. He would put things together like no human has ever done. And he just fucking won me over, man. You know, I take your dad to a competition as a student the first time. Dominated. Like, first time I ever make it to the finals. And, and, and like, even still to this day, people talk about that. We're, like, this, you know, years of me competing and sitting in a room with people. They didn't even remember my name. And then all of a sudden, you're like, fuck, you guys just made it to the finals. Not just made it to the finals. We made it to the finals in first place. We go there in first place. Now, we got our asses kicked in the finals. We didn't know how to be in one of those. We didn't know how to fucking do any of that shit. And uh, 10 years, you know, like uh, before the pulse. That was like 10 years before the pulse. The lessons we learned that day in that competition carried us that day when we were at the pulse. Don't chase patients. Wait for them to come to you. Sort them out and do the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Traditional medicine and disasters doesn't look the same. And if you have another disaster of the same kind, it will look different that time too. So those are the lessons you learn, man. Like, you know, it's every scenario, even the same, could be acted upon different and you're going to show up different and present different. But, you know, man, I learned that, you know, and your dad was just this fucking ability to recover and retain information and repeat it and reproduce it was unbelievable. So, you know, we do that. We meet. He's in class. We do a few competitions. There were still, me and Felix would still go to their medical competition together. Till it's time to go to St. Louis and Felix doesn't feel like he's got to, he wants to go and he dumps that he's not going to go on me like two weeks before the competition. Two weeks before the competition and I'm sitting there fucking arguing with him at the station and then your douchebag dad goes, I'll go. <laughs> Just like that. And I go, what the fuck you mean you're going to go? He goes, dude, I'll buy a ticket right now to St. Louis. I said, well, let's see that much, motherfucker. And he bought a ticket that right then and there. Bought a ticket to St. Louis, and there we went. Um, and, you know, did your dad ever fly in a helicopter before to go in your medical competition? No. No idea. Till to this day, he's never been in one. Um, did, I don't think he wants to be in one. <laughs> Had he ever seen a ventilator before that day? He still hasn't seen one. You know what I mean? Like, you got to think about this. It's like this guy's never touched any of the tools. He's about to do and talk about medicines that you don't carry in a regular rescue truck. You know, this is the shit. Now, we, we, uh, we go do this competition, and we smoke it. Like, I spent the whole plane ride to St. Louis teaching ventilators to Josh and IV pumps. And, you know, and he just fucking bam, bam, bam. And you know what's interesting is one of the things that people love about coming to class with us is the the board. How we'll sit there and write something on the board. You know, and, and the rescue company one didn't exist at that moment in time, right? So like but it was born on that plane ride because I brought a bunch of copy paper from my house. I remember grabbing it and a pen and in that white copy paper, I sat there and I fucking taught this guy, you know, assessment, fence. Went over all the shit. You know, we switched planes, went back to it. And it was just, you know, he was learning it, writing it, you know, and it's just, I don't write shit on a board or draw something different than I did that day. By the way, there's a group of people that do this crash and learn thing. 
where it's all whiteboard learning. You know, there's no PowerPoints. There's none of that stuff. You know, we were just in Virginia and people were like, we hate fucking PowerPoints. Thank God for now you have PowerPoints. I'm like, thank God. Yeah, I hate them too. You know, uh, <laughs> the Capsi world makes me have them. So, but what was interesting is, is that the Josh, years later, we start the rescue company one. I'm lecturing. Josh is writing on the board. And he's writing the same shit that I wrote on that plane ride. Which is insane. Like, I'm like, just fucking crazy. Like, the dude's reproducing the shit. Anyways, we get there, and we fucking make the finals. And now we're in the finals with uh, University of Cincinnati. Like, they are a badass fucking team. The Canadians, they obviously cheat to get there. And the University of Michigan, which we're really good friends with those guys. <laughs> so, you know, the University of Michigan, they have a doctor on their team. The Michigan guys, they're two nurses. You know, the, uh, the, 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 the people from STARS, they're fucking, you know, cheaters, but very advanced people, you know. Um, they're really good. They're really just really good. Fucking hate them. I hate their bacon. It's ham. But they're fucking good, man. So we get there and we fucking smoke the scenario. We just, you know, we end up not not uh not winning. <laughs> uh of course the cheaters had to win. So I mean, come on, who crushes up aspirin and gives it down a gastric tube? The guy's got a crushed fucking pelvis. He's bleeding. Who gives aspirin on a bleeding fucking patient? They fucking do in Canada. Don't have a bleeding disorder over there. They're gonna fuck you up. You know, but anyways, long story short, we, we don't win. But like, like Josh says, that day we're the people's champs, you know. Now, the best part about Josh is on this trip is that uh, by at that time, I'm working for a Metro Aviation um, program. Now, when you go to the Air Medical Conference and uh, Jason, you've never been to one. You know, one day out, we'll go. It sucks now. It's not the same. But Metro has the best party. Doesn't matter what vendor you work for. Like the the guys that own the other vendors are trying to get an invitation to the Metro party. <laughs> so they're going to miss their own party to go to this shit, you know. I was lucky enough to work at a Metro uh, program, man. And I was the first flight at the time. And then so we go to this museum that's rented out. And uh, and as I'm thinking, it's a cover van. And I'm like, man, these kept, these motherfuckers are throwing September down like nobody's mother. Like, I'm like, fuck, these guys are good. I'm like, the elements are on the stage. And for you white people, I'm talking about Earth, Wind, and Fire. So, like, I go, fuck, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And like, they sound just like, and I look over there, and sure as shit, it's fucking Earth, Wind, and Fire playing. Now, my partner that's with me at the time, he's slightly drunk. That's when Josh used to drink. And he's like, open bar, man. So he's got two Roman Cokes going on, and one in each hand. And uh, he's like screaming free bird at her. <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire. Freebird, play fucking Freebird. He's like, these guys suck. They won't play Freebird. I'm like, motherfucker, that's Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like the actual band, not a cover. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. That's your dad. And dad, so so we, you know, we, we, uh, that night finishes and, you know, your dad was a big bitch and kind of fucked up a cool streak that I was about to hit that night. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, because he was lonely in a car throwing up. <laughs> so I had to go it's the saddest phone call I've ever received like hey dude uh, this whole place is spinning and it's kind of dark out here like Gotham City <laughs> can, you, can you come sit with me 
I'm like, what a lonely motherfucker, man. It's the greatest fucking phone call I've ever received. Uh, but I went because he's my best friend, man. And, I, you know, shoot. Let's pull my thing out here. Hold on. In the middle of the store. Oh, there I am. So I go, you know, I, I went over there anyway, spend the night with him. So your dad's a bitch when he drinks. So that's why you don't drink now. So don't let him fucking fool you. Um, he puked the whole way home on a plane. There's nothing more miserable than a man puking into a fucking bag. <laughs> and he would hold the bag like, yeah, like, like, yeah, cancer. <laughs> Crying. Oh, I eat a burrito next to him, too. The whole time. Like, it's fucking great. Uh, <laughs> remember, it, it is just so funny, man. So we we basically, you know, go to that. We get fucking killed. But that, that next, that, the next, like two days later, he comes to me and he goes, hey, dude, we're going back next year, right? And I goes, well, yeah, we finished fucking third, so they'll let us go back. And he goes, well, next year we win. And then we spent that whole year, man, just like just practicing, going to competitions and doing the things. We go to Seattle and uh, and we fucking win. Ten years I fucking was trying to win that fucking cup. And we win. The next year we go to San Francisco, we fucking win. It was awesome. Um, then, you know, your dad wanted to take promotional tests and shit. So he goes to take a promotional test. And, and you know what's interesting is this. This is first time Josh has ever failed at anything. So he fails the driving. Doesn't fucking make that list. Uh, Timmy makes the list and gets promoted. Josh fucking failed the driving. You know, it was one of those. He just So that year when he's taking the driving test, happens to fall on their medical conference. So I go compete with a dude and this dude fucks up and I don't make the finals. Even the, every time I did it with Felix, we go to the finals. No, no fucking problem. We go to the finals and bam. But this year, man, we fucking don't go to the finals. And I was like, fuck. You know, um, and, and, and like I felt like shit. Now, Josh isn't married to Amber yet. So now Josh's wedding's coming up. And he promises, he goes, hey, man, we're going to go, you know, um, we'll go to Charlotte. And uh, the riots happened in Charlotte that year. So the conference gets postponed till December. So, like, literally two days after Josh gets married is the conference. But he's fucking committed to making up to me not winning that year. You know what I mean? So, dude, Josh gets married. The next day, Amber, Josh, your dad, me, it, we're in a car. And then Trish, yeah, we're in a car driving to fucking Charlotte. Um, and we compete. We make it to the finals. And we fucking destroy the finals. Like, uh, we kill it. We don't win. Come in second. And, and, and again, Canadians win, right? So this is what happens. You know, they have a pay. Uh, uh, this guy decides to start drinking or inhaling uh, uh, ML nitrate. Causes methemoglobin anemia. You treat it with methylene blue. And that year, they were very specific about the medication labels. They wanted you to have the actual label of the medication and um, right dose, right patient, right time. You know, it was a big deal. So we kind of read that shit and we were ready to go. Now, I carry methylene blue in my bag for fucking since I started competing, <laughs> you know. And I pulled the methylene blue out. 
they did not expect me to have it. And they go, is that labeled methylene blue? I go, sir, it's the actual methylene blue fucking vial. It's the actual methylene blue, you know, which, by the way, you can't do that now. You can't have real meds, you know. That's just the real shit, dude. I'm fucking... It, it was such a shock to them. That they never planned on anybody actually having it. That The guy had to look at the other judge and goes, shit. So you can tell the guy's reprogramming this simulator because he's like, I got to change the fucking scenario now. Our patient gets better. Nobody on the stage dies. We got no points. <laughs> the other team kills two people and wins. I go, man. Now, mind you, the medical director for the competition is the same medical director of the people that win. So it's like, I go, bullshit, bullshit. Now, the pulse had happened by now. You know, the pulse had happened, and Josh gets married. He's kind of going, and then he starts when the struggle start right after this. We come back, and the things start, and Josh gets just, you know, eventually thing happens. He gets suspended. He's um, going through the mental health stuff. But the whole time he is there, we know he's going to get fired. We know that when he comes back from the mental health thing, they're just doing this to cover their ass. They're going to get fired. But I remember this, and this is nobody till this day kind of knows about this. You know, we had just started the Rescue Company one. We are coming to, we were going to come to Texas, and I told Josh, I'm like, dude, let's uh, cancel competing at the air medical uh, competition um, and just focus on the booth and try to grow the company because... You're going to be out of a job like like we're weeks away from you getting fired. Literally, we knew in, a, in two weeks you're going to get fired. You're going to come back from this. You're getting terminated. So he goes, fuck that. Let's go compete. And like, this is the last time I'm probably going to do this with you. So let's compete and win. And I go, are you fucking sure? He goes, yep. So we actually went to Myanmar, competed. Now, mind you, we had never placed in Myanmar. This is, you know, Myanmar competition is a big fucking, you know, Tim Roach and, and Kelly, you, you've, you've been around them. You know, they're the fucking shit of this. You know, they're badasses. So we come in second at, at, at fucking Myanmar. And we flew from Fort Lauderdale to, uh, to Dallas. And we're into the, the competition was in Fort Worth. And we win. We go to Fort Worth and we go through the prelims. And uh, fuck, I remember these like it was yesterday. The last scenario of the prelims is a mom and a baby that just got delivered. Mom has got uh, amniotic embolus and uh, fucking boggy uterus. So she's just postpartum hemorrhage and she's going to code. So all the she codes on everybody. So all the points you're going to get is on that lady till she dies. And then after that, it's just working a code, you know, and um and then I'm on the baby. The baby, you salvageable. So Josh knows I'm the better baby guy, so I fucking go right to the baby. I'm working the baby, but this is the shit that you think. He goes, dude, amniotic embolus. What the fuck he saw? I don't know. But the only guy that called that out of fucking 10 teams, the only motherfucker that said amniotic embolus, she's going to die. Right? That's what he says to me. She'll die, right? I go, if it's an amniotic embolus, man, it's like, bro, it's like less than 2% survivability. She's all points till she codes. He goes, copy. And he destroyed it. Pitocin, blood, fucking checking the uterus. Still boggy. You know, uh, 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 
endomethacin. He fucking does every fucking treatment on this lady. She codes. And like literally two minutes later, they call time, right? So he got every treatment to that lady till she fucking codes. And then he worked a fucking flawless fucking PA code on her and fucking destroyed it, man. He was kicking ass on that. Baby, you know, obviously I was going to kick ass on that. I beat everybody's ass on the baby because I'm a badass motherfucker. It's piss excellence. So, you know, we, but we go home because he go, he feels horrible. He's like, man, I let you down, dude. Like, fucking sorry, man. Because she coded and we didn't know that she had coded on everybody. So we don't go to the announcement of the, uh, of the, uh, um, Man, it's fucking shitty. Do you know how there's moments in your life that you just fucking go back and the smells, everything's like, I'm in that moment right now. So I'm there, bro. We go back to the Airbnb that we're staying at, and we get some chicken, and we go watch The Founder. Me, Amber, Josh, and, uh, and Trish. Now, Trish and Amber flew from Orlando with all our shit for the booth and everything to Fort Worth. And so basically man i'm sitting there we're and then we get a phone call that goes hey didn't see you guys at the announcements and we're like yeah who gets fucked and i think they're calling me to be the run-through team and we had decided fuck that we're not gonna be the run-through team so i go yeah i'm not interested in being the run-through and they go yeah asshole we're not asking you to be the run-through we're asking you to be the uh the uh the to be in the finals we're like what the fuck and that's when they tell us now, mind you, we have a booth. Booth is pretty close to the stage. Now, me and Josh stay back at the R&B. Amber and Trish go work the booth. We don't watch the, you know, it's on the honor system over there. We, But to this day, they swear that we cheated, and we didn't. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'll tell you how we didn't cheat and why that is. So me and Josh end up having to go do a, uh, leg, so they move us to be the last team that goes. Because we have to do a pulse lecture. This is our first time we're going to do a lecture for the pulse for the uh, Air and Surface Transport Nurses Association. They do a luncheon, do a pulse. We, we talk about it. Everything that we did that day fails. Like the AV system fails. Everything fails. And we're in suits and shit. And then we have to dress and get dressed in our flight suits, which they're Ghostbuster suits that we got. They're Ghostbuster costumes that we got. <laughs> That was our flight suits, man. This is the best part of the whole thing. Like, I ever realized that. We put a paramedic batch over the Ghostbuster thing. I still have this. And uh, yeah, you know, we have the, you know, we get them, get them, get our flight suit on and we go and uh and now mind you, on the plane ride there, Josh was reading the rules to the company. This is something he did do pretty religiously. He would read the rules, he would look at them, and he goes, dude, they're only letting us have three atropines each. He goes, we're going to have an organophosphate poisoning. Out of the rules, dude. Now, you got to mind you that we've read these rules before. There's never a time that they've limited you on meds. Like, they, they, if you wanted to have 100 fucking atropines, you could have had them, you know? So, Josh knows that we're going to have an organophosphate poisoning at some point during this competition. We didn't have it during the prelims, so we know it's in the finals. And somewhere on that stage in the finals, there's going to be a bag or an ability to get... A shitload of atropine. And I go, dude, if there's a rescue on the scene already, the atropine's in there. If there's a fucking guy with a medic badge walking around, that motherfucker's got a fucking stockpile of atropine. And sure as shit, there's a medic on the on the stage with a bag. We get up there, that motherfucker takes that bag from that medic. 
opens it, finds a fucking boatload of atropine, and we start fucking handing out atropine like it's going out of style. <laughs> Nobody codes. <laughs> fucking six patients. We're chilling. 25 minutes in Aereo, and we're talking about fucking the chicken we had the day before, dude, in the movie The Founder. And we're fucking killing it. And we win. We fucking win. First time in the history of their medical conference, and they'll deny this, that a team doesn't get invited back to for the fun. We went to Arizona the next year, and we don't get invited back to compete. We didn't get picked. First place team, you know? Three cups. I still have them. They sit in my house, and they're the fucking most beautiful, clear cups that nobody can ever fucking win again. And, and, and you know, man, we won three of them, you know, and that's cool. And through his word, man, he's like, hey, I'm going to win you this last one. And we came back from there, uh, and it's still a fucking greatest thing. So on the city of Orlando, when you open up, the intranet has, like, you know, fire department news. And the three news on that department is us winning second place, us winning the World Critical Care Championships, and then the announcement that me and Josh have been named Firefighter and Paramedic of the Year for the state of Florida. All three things on that day. Noon that day, Josh is terminated from the fire department. Terminated that day, man. It's fucking crazy. On our shift, you know, on our fucking shift, um, he's terminated. Um, they basically tell me that he's being told to go down to station one so they know. And by the way, they had transferred me out of my station again. Now I'm over at station 14. And I remember talking to this dude, and he's a cool guy. Could be a cool guy, but could be a dick too. He's a company man, you know. Uh, and we'll say his name rhymes with Klein. And uh, this dickhead tells me, he goes, "You know, you can't go home because you know." I'm like, "Listen, I'm leaving. Fuck you. My best friend is just is about to get terminated, and I'm not gonna let him do this by himself." And I remember like this dude standing in front of me, to getting in the elevator. At station one to go up to the chief's thing and to try to lecture him. I said, listen, you can either let me through or have to explain why I just fucked you up. It's all up to you. Get the fuck out of my way. It's some guy on light duty, too, with a bad back. I'm like, you're not even going to be a challenge. Get the fuck out of the way, Gimpy. And I go up there and he's, you know, fired and... um Like, the police are there to arrest him. Like, they bring the police in to arrest a guy. You know, I'll let Josh tell his story about that, you know, but damn, dude. I remember that. I'm like, I remember, like, these motherfuckers just looking at him and going, I'm like, you guys are going to let him get arrested? Like, you guys are going to really fucking do this? Fucking nuts, man. You know, anybody in the Orlando Police Department that had to do with that investigation, people that took those things to there and, like, you guys all know that this woman's a fucking asshole, crackhead, legitimately. And this is me, Carlos, saying this, not Jocelyn. Like, you know, the woman that ended this man's career was an asshole. And the day she did, the incident happened out, Josh fucked up. He did, some, did a dumbass thing, but not to the extreme that they made it out to be. And uh, he only did what he did to protect his crew. And, you know, and the, the dude that turned him in, turned him in because, you know, 
Josh intimidated him, and he's a weak man. He was a guy that, you know, guy, and again, I don't give a fuck about this guy, a guy named Mitch Sanders. And, and, and like this dude, you know, was intimidated by him, you know. There's a greater presence, you know, than most people, you know. And he could be, you know, he could be an idiot. Made a bad decision that day. And instead of helping him out, helping him grow, helping him do better, they he just fucking decided to fuck him over. But anyways, long story short, that day and starts that saga of like the four years almost that it took to get Josh rest you know, restitution for all that stuff. Um, probation that he had to do. It's crazy getting a criminal attorney. And, and you know what the craziest thing people don't don't, don't know about this is that do you know who the attorney that we get Josh to be the criminal attorney? So obviously I'm related to a couple of people that have needed criminal attorneys. <laughs> so we're like, who is the best person that we can get? And the person that we get, so this is fucking gonna fuck you up, is the attorney for the the wife of the pulse shooter. So the attorney that we end up getting is the guy that represented uh, this the, the, that lady and got her off. Obviously she didn't do anything, you know. Isn't that crazy? Like that? What a, the fucking world, man? What a what a what a thing, you know. And again, you know, once you're older, you can look all the shit up, and you you can know. But isn't that fucking crazy? Like that? That's actually that's that's a true story. This is all after the pulse. It's, as interesting as the whole we got to the pulse, the thing happened. This is all years later, you know. And um, you mind your rescue company, you know, getting some traction. We're not doing a whole bunch. I mean, we're doing. We're working. We've never not worked since the day we put the fucking, you know, hung the shingle out, you know, as they say. We've never not worked. We've always always worked. I'm always amazed when we're hired back to go anywhere. (laughs) Like, like I really, like, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, we're going to be hired to, like, do you guys want us to come back? Really? Okay. And now we're busier than fucking ever, man. Like, isn't that crazy? Busier than ever. And, uh, and, uh, you know, what's crazy is like, Jason, you, you, you travel with us in the van and the trailers and all this shit that we have. And it's just, I remember just <laughs> Josh's truck and the little trailer, man. Like, you, can you imagine doing a class now like that? You would die. Like, as a matter of fact, next class, that's what we're packing. <laughs> we're going to pack your truck and the trailer and see if we can teach the class. Like, you would die, dude. <laughs> you would fucking die. We go teach a class of 24 Mexicans, just me and that dude. By ourselves, man. By ourselves, you know. It, it, it is how we did it, I don't know, man. Like, I was tired, dead tired. And he's struggling. And uh, he would set up scenarios. I would teach. And then we run the scenarios. And he, I go back to lecturing. And he would set up more scenarios. And, um, this is the first year I've spent this day without him. It's kind of crazy, you know, because, you know, the baby's on the way, so he wasn't going to be able to make this trip this year or even do, you know. Um, but so much has happened since that day. It's, you know, it's a defining day in our lives, but it's not what our where we are isn't because of that. Where we're going to go isn't because of that. However, we can't fucking forget that that happened. You know? Cannot. Cannot forget that that happened. You know, June 
2016 is a horrible day in a lot of people's lives. Ended some, changed families forever, um, changed my best friend forever, changed the trajectory of our lives forever. And, uh, you know, this day I'm always going to remember, you know, it's uh, it's one of those uh, pretty insane things that is life-defining. Moments like that and those stories like that or, you know, and events like that are the things that, you know, life is just a set of moments, you know. And uh, and those moments are either scar you or or not, you know, or just insignificant. But that day, that moment, man, it scarred the fuck out of us. There's this like Henry the Fifth speech, you know, and I ended with this, you know, like um, you ever heard that speech St. Crispin's Day? Um, which is uh, it's a speech from Henry the Fifth. You're gonna have to look it up because you're gonna have to like put it in, attach it to this thing because it's like. You know, many people have done it. Um, and it, Henry V, basically, he is sitting there, England, is sitting there staring at fucking Frenchmen that outnumber them 100 to 1. So for every one Englishman, there's 100 Frenchmen sitting there. And like the, the, the uh, Henry the King is sitting there and he's like, you know, hearing the, his troops going, we should retreat. There's no way we should do this. And he says, fuck that. He's like, I'm not a coward. You know, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. I'm not saying it as elegant as that. He doesn't say fuck. But he says, anybody that wants to go, go ahead and go. But us that are going to stay here, we're going to fight these motherfuckers. And these motherfuckers showed up. They're more than us. They're going to know that they have a fight today. They, They will fucking win. But even if they win, they're going to know, fuck, we fought some men today. And the men that survive this battle years from now will go to the person. Like, I look at everybody on the 11th of June, and I go, tomorrow is, you know, the Pulse Day. And he goes, tomorrow is fucking the anniversary of Christmas. These scars I got that day. And any man that has those scars with me is my fucking brother. And we proud few that have made it through that are bounded by blood and by battle. And for always and always, we will always fucking be remembering of that day. You know, and um, Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, fucking Shakespeare. Man, I do have a way to put the words out there. And, and, and like, you know, those are the things. Me and that dude bonded from years later, man. Had the pulse never happened, I feel that we would have made our fucking mark in the world anyways, you know? Um. But what we did, like, what we do now, a lot of people think the rescue company came out of that day, and it didn't. Um, You know, shit, we had ordered the chair before that day. We had done all kinds of shit before that day. You know, we were ready ready to do our first class. We were drowning Carlos already uh, <laughs> before that. Um, But it made the bond that me and him had a fucking whole lot stronger, you know? And it's like, I've never had a horrible day. every time i have a horrible day that, you, that josh isn't around i feel it you know it, 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 it's an empty space inside of me to not have them here and it's just one of those things you know today more than ever i fucking feel it because he shares those scars with me that nobody else has and those are why i miss him so much really you know always 
the the 49 that didn't make it out of that place and their lives ended that day for the people out there that that their lives are fucking changed forever for that you know editorially i think we need to you know and i just don't have a lot of numbers in front of me and we are going to do a show on this and i'm gonna put amanda on the research of this is this that there is a lot of victims from the pulse that are suffering out there about to be homeless because can't afford their medical bills and there's a foundation collecting millions and millions of dollars that's for these survivors and they're not receiving any of these benefits and again this one-sided i don't know the whole story and but i people that i trust that are telling me that that's the way it is and i just fucking feel so horrible that this one foundation has fallen to the same fucking thing that the united way and that these other fucking foundations have gone to that the people that really need the shit they don't get it there's no reason for a person that was hurt that night to be homeless because they can't pay their medical bills. Not when there's millions of dollars out there. I would sell that property, tear down the memorial, do whatever you got to do so nobody from that night ever fucking suffers is still around and still alive. That's fucked up. And if that's the case, and again, if that's the case, we're going to find out. We're going to do some research on this. Well, then y'all need to fucking change. So till next time, bye.